Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 567 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Piller up in the Blue Mountains. And coming up on today's show, we're going to look at the Senators' defensive depth chart, both for now and looking into the future. And Ross, we've got a couple of offensive-minded defensemen in our prospect profile countdown. We're counting down prospects from number 52 to 49. All that plus, Drake Batherson plays hero Woo. at the World Championships. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Thursday, May 26th. We are free and available wherever you download your podcasts as well as on YouTube where a like and subscription go a long way. And the best way to help us grow is to leave a comment. Today we want to know in five years, who will be the more valuable defenseman? Is it Lassie Thompson or Jacob Bernard Docker Pilsy? I start this show off with that very same difficult question for you. This is very similar to when we had the discussion uh, of Ridley Gregg or Shane Pinto. Like both, yeah, honestly, not even not even downs, just straight up both times. And both of these guys are great prospects. And I hope in five years they're both still in Ottawa and lighting it up in the NHL. But I think it's a similar situation to those two guys I mentioned before where it doesn't really make sense to keep both of them. You're probably going to have to move on with one. And... If we're talking a five-year span, Ross, drum roll. I'm sticking with JBD. JBD, you know me. Because I think at this point, Lassie Thompson is ahead of him in value. And rightfully so. He's got a a year ahead. He's a little bit bigger. He's got some more pro experience. So that's to be expected. But I just, ever since, honestly, since the day they drafted JBD, once we got past the excitement of, JBD and Johnny Tyconic being a oh, defensive shit. duo, and once uh, that fizzled out fairly quickly, then my mind we called, we called the Peyton Manning Omaha on that <laughs> one, sending Johnny down to the Mavericks. Yeah, quick audible uh, change from Nodak to Omaha. But um, once that obviously wasn't going to be a thing, immediately, I think we've been saying it for years now, Ross, JBD seems like the perfect partner for Thomas Shabbat. And at this point, I would say Lassie Thompson probably tops out as a bottom four defenseman, like either kind of the fourth guy uh, in the top four or a really good guy on the third pair. Whereas JBD, he just does all the little smart, safe things right, where it can allow Thomas Shabbat to be more of a riverboat gambler type defenseman where he can jump into the rush knowing, hey, JBD is not jumping into any rush anytime soon. <laughs> He's probably back there and he can cover me uh, along with the uh, forward when I do decide to join the rush and uh, make a pinch here. So I just think 
the value to the Ottawa Senators for JBD is more valuable than he will be to other teams and vice versa for Lassie Thompson. I think the value for Lassie Thompson is higher for other teams than it might be necessarily for the Ottawa Senators. It's difficult to handicap the race because even though JBD is a year older and was drafted in the 2018 draft versus 2019, Lassie, as you mentioned, had two years playing against men over in Finland, which obviously is a little bit better for your development than playing in college for three full seasons. Now, by the third year at Nodak, JBD was dominant. He was wearing a letter. We know he's a leader off the ice and in the community. And I think that where it really changes is when we're going to pull up the Sens depth chart in just a minute, you look at the left side and there's some guys who are elite skaters, probably do all the things that Lassie Thompson does just a little bit better when you're looking at, well, Shabbat and Sanderson for one, and then even Branstrom in his style of how he likes to play. Whereas the right side, it's almost opposite of when Guy Boucher was the coach. The left side, when you had Boro, Fanuf, and Mathot, were all like the physical kind of, you know, defensive-minded defensemen. Well, now it seems like it's shifted over. And with Zub on the right side, and elite defender Nikita Zaitsev, we'll show you where he is on our depth chart. But they, they kind of have it as the right side is your stay-at-home, you know, your complementary piece. And that's what JBD is going to be. The question is, I think that any JBD doubter listening to this right now, when's he going to take that next step? He's going to be 23 years old, Pilsy. But what's the rush, right? Like, I don't think he needs to make that jump now. And as we're talking about it, Ross, I think I could also be convinced at having JBD as Sanderson's partner on the right side. Because, I mean, they've played a couple of years together at Nodak. They're comfortable with each other. Sanderson was living in JBD's dorm room when he left. So, like, they obviously have a good relationship. And then that takes a little bit of pressure off of JBD not having to play on the top pair. And we already know Thomas Shabbat and Artem Zub are a great combo. But this is not for this upcoming season, just to no, be clear. No, no, no. Yeah, we're talking in the future. Probably Once Jake Sanderson's on his second contract type thing, comfortable in the league. Yeah, I mean, even I don't think it's going to take Jake Sanderson a second contract to be comfortable in the league, Ross. Right. <laughs> so I wouldn't even be surprised if it's on the back end of his entry-level deal where uh, Jacob Bernard Docker now is at a point where he can be a consistent NHLer. I mean, this is this is all projections, right? And we hope this is how things turn out, but... Uh, I really think, especially if we're looking into using some prospects to acquire some immediate NHL talent, Lassie Thompson just makes more sense. I think other teams would have him at a higher value than the Sens, um, than the Sens have JBD as a higher value. So I, I think that would make the most sense. And l- like we talked about, um, Lassie Thompson is probably closer to joining the NHL than JBD, but. You don't need Lassie Thompson right now at this moment. And you're, yeah. if, if you're able to have him as a part of a package, bringing another defenseman into the NHL fold, that's fine. And then you can let JBD get some development in the AHL for a couple more years. So we, we got to say it would be awesome to just keep both. But yes, the Senators are absolutely. at the stage in the rebuild where it has to be a quantity for quality piece. Like, yeah, Definitely. you can have the best development camps ever. Sure, but at some point, you have to have the best NHL training camps and the best starts to seasons. That's the goal, eventually, yes. So much conversation in August about how this team can start off on the right track. And to me, 
getting a top four NHL defenseman, a guy who can calm things down when the puck's on his stick, as opposed to how some of the defensemen on the team right now act when the puck's on their stick. And you've you've gathered this prospect pool. And when you're looking at it, Lassie went 11 games without a point this year on a stretch, and he still finished with 26 in 44 games at the American Hockey League level. So not that counting stats are everything, when you have all these analytic departments, whatever. But I think in terms of trade value around the league, it would certainly be Lassie right now, which I think plays into the Sens' hand a little bit. And we don't want to see either of them go. They've both been guests on Lockdown Centers. You can find both their interviews in our playlist on YouTube where we put all of our easily organized content. So if you want to check that out, you're more than welcome to do so. But it's a good problem to have, Pilsy, when you've got these young up-and-coming right-shot defensemen, a position of value, and now you're looking at how can we take the next step as an organization. Yeah, and, and that's where it's at. Like the the Sens have done a good job of tearing it down and replacing it with prospects, but now it's time to do the flip side. You have to tear it up, I guess, is the opposite of tearing it down, <laughs> and trade those prospects that you acquired for NHL talent now. It's time for the old Uno reverse card here. Let's go. So the way our depth chart is organized, and I put the headers there so people aren't yelling at me, Left shot and right shot. And we know guys can play their offside. Branny did it a little bit this year. Nick Holden did it a little bit as well. But I mostly went for the value that they have among left shots and among right shots. And then Clevin and Roger, I put at the bottom because both are unsigned still. And yes, I know Branstrom's unsigned, but he's still an RFA. Okay, so on the left side, you've got Shabbat, Sanderson, Branstrom, Holden, Delzato. And then Aspero is on a two-way contract. Tyler Clevin unsigned. On the right side, Zub, Hamannick, Thompson, JBD, Zaitsev I put down there, Gannett, and then Big Ben Roger as well. So as it stands right now, Pilsy, there's a spot, assuming Zaitsev is gone, and I think reading the tea leaves from Pierre Dorian yesterday, that seems to be the plan yeah. this offseason. One way or another, you got to find... Zaitsev's way to the desert, to Arizona. Robita Island, south. That to say, if they can manage to get Zaitsev off the books, you have to add. Like, we saw the Senators use 12 defensemen this year in the NHL. And right now, they have Thompson and JBD as like six, seven guys. You have to add a defenseman. You just have to. And what are you going to give up to get one? That's how this whole conversation came about. Yeah, and and the thing too is, Ross, you need to add defensemen, not only for injury concerns, and I I mean, hopefully COVID doesn't play as big of a part into this season and the rosters, but just for the fact that you can't have so much responsibility put on Sanderson, Thompson, and JBD to fill those gaps when those injuries happen. So I think that's a big reason why. And if if we're going to give Pierre Dorian credit for one thing he does consistently, sorry, it's that he almost always adds one or even two veteran defensemen in the offseason. So I'm sure he will continue that process. It's just about picking the right one. Yeah, which he's struggled with. I mean, I mean, we'll give him the, all the credit in the world for Zub. He deserves all that yes. credit. And Maybe his best acquisition since he's been GM, considering are, they gave up no assets to get him. Yeah, if you're talking about like like single accusations, like not looking into the massive uh, blockbuster trades and things like that, right. then yes, I, I would agree for sure. And the thing is, 
I think they had the right idea on Good Branson. As we're seeing, he's a very solid defenseman, third pair for Calgary. It just wasn't the right timing, and they didn't utilize him right. And so, they didn't have enough structure as a team to complement. Like he's he's bad with the puck. There's no yeah, doubt about that. And that's the thing, right? Like it's picking the right guy and putting the right guy in the right situation. Like picking the right guy is half the battle, right? Now you need to yeah. be able to utilize him properly. So that's 100%. where him and DJ Smith need to have like some sort of uh, uh, connection where they're understanding and communicating what they need and who can fill that role. Now, if I were to tell you that Branstrom would move over and play the right side, Holden slides up, would you be confident with this as your opening day defenseman? Or are you with me saying they have to add as well? That would be Shabbat Zub, Sanderson Hamanick, Branstrom Holden. That is your opening day decor. Would you be okay with that? I'd be okay with that uh, only because going out and acquiring a top four defenseman is so difficult. Like no one's like not many teams are looking to get rid of a top four defenseman in their prime, especially a right shot top four defenseman. So that's why I would give them a bit of a break. Like it's, it's not easy to get those guys. So if they're not able to get those guys at the start of the year, maybe you look at the deadline or when teams start uh, getting into cap trouble down the road or, or things like that. Then or when teams that were looking to make the playoffs are out of playoff contention or looking to move pieces, then maybe you look at making a move like that. But I think for now, I would be okay with it, especially because I want to see what Sanderson can do. So let's see how Sanderson does the first, I don't know, 25, 30 games. And then you can evaluate how much help this decor needs. It is going to be a fascinating offseason for Ottawa Senators and their fans, not only the off-ice not turmoil anymore, the off-ice uncertainty around ownership. And Pierre Dorian mentioning yesterday, we covered his appearance with TSN 1200, but one thing we didn't mention is they are looking to add in the hockey operations department. Pilsy, they're looking for good people, the right people. A little bit of shade there at Pierre McGuire. Well, and and the right people and the right fit. I'll, I'll mention that again, Ross, because <laughs> I feel like Pierre, Pierre McGuire could have been the right person. They just they have so many other needs. This is not a fit. We were just talking about his pr- Carey Price draft reaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Pierre McGuire, a Habs hater. That's why he worked out or should have worked out well with the Sens, I should say. But that's just the thing. Pierre McGuire, what's his number one asset? Speaking in the media. They brought him in. He didn't do that at all. Yeah, See, I'm, done, I'm done talking about Pierre Goody. McGuire. So, I'm done talking about Pierre McGuire. Yeah, we can move on. Yeah. Pierre McGuire. You know what I'm never sick of talking about? Our friends at Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Get your Built Bars today at Built.com. We love everyone throwing our name out there on social media, posting pictures of your mixed box of Built Bars. They're absolutely delicious. We are not gassing this product unless we believed in it. And we do believe in Built Bars. Not only are they the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, not only are they nutritious pillsy. We were on a call with their CEO, Nick Greer, the other day. There's a guy on the Locked On Network who's lost 50 pounds and Built Bars have been a big part of his journey. I'm not saying that's the only thing they're good for. They're also good if you're looking to power up when you're out on a summer holiday. You know, you're out, you're busy all day, you're moving around, you probably got a sweat on, Ray Baker shining down on you. You need to grab a Built Bar and get that protein up, but without sacrificing nutrition. So go to Built.com right now. Try the puffs as well. Very cool product. It's a marshmallow infused with protein. Yes, you heard that right. Go to Built.com to get all your favorites. 
They're delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. It's built.com promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. It's promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, Pillsy, it's back to the draft rankings. We go number little jingle. (laughs) That was so bad. I had no flow on that (laughs) at all. Coming in. At number 52 on our Locked On Senators draft rankings. We're going back to Guelph, Pilsy. Yeah. There's a few from your neck of the woods. From the Guelph Storm, Michael Bushinger. He comes in with an average of 48.5 on our rankings. Yep, another good old Storm boy. And this time a defenseman. So he's a left shot defenseman. Six feet, 185 pounds. So not big, not small. Kind of kind of your average uh, uh, dimensions there. And in 63 games, he had five goals, 39 assists. Good for 44 points. And the Storm did make the playoffs. Not their best showing, but he did get three points in five games. And the Guelph Storm were happy that they found a defenseman to kind of take over since... Since Ryan Merkley left, they didn't really have an offensive-minded guy to kind of man the the power play and things like that. But Bushinger, he was their top defenseman in points on the Storm, ahead of Daniil Cheka. You may remember the Vegas Golden Knights pick of a little while ago. And he was fifth overall on the team. And I mentioned his um, excellence on the power play, Ross. 19 of those 44 points were on the power play. So wow. he's a guy that if you're looking for someone to take over a top unit, you might be looking at Bushinger. 100%. And he's a guy who, uh, his skating's unbelievable. And we're noticing that more and more, not only with all players, but especially these offensive-minded defensemen. He's effortless out there. Just looks like he's gliding, but still going at such a high rate of speed. And you mentioned the power play. 19 of his points on the power play is a huge bonus to have on there. I still think the next defenseman we're going to talk about today probably gives you a bit more on the power play, but I love this kid's work ethic. I love his defensive work rate where he's always grinding out. If there's a puck, loose puck in the corner and he has a chance to win it, every highlight I see, he's going in and he takes the man first, kind of uses his back to shield the puck, and then two strides, bang, bang, bingo, bango, bongo, and he's skating out with the puck. So he's a guy who I think his work rate is going to get him to the next level. And to me, he's a guy where... If it's your second or third pick in the draft, you're like, okay, I think that this guy would really help our depth. I, I think he's basically what I'm saying. I think he's a few years away still, but there is certainly some potential here. I love the type of defenseman he is. I just think around this part of the draft, Pilsy, we're seeing a lot of offensive defensemen. So there is going to be competition among those teams who are looking for an offensive-minded defenseman. Definitely. Yeah. This is the area of the draft where I think a lot of teams are going to be focusing on um, forwards, wingers, centers at the start of the draft because they know in this part of the draft, there is a lot of offensive defensemen available. And Bushinger is definitely one of those guys. But like you mentioned, just because he's an offensive defenseman doesn't mean he's a liability defensively. Like his skating and his motor to get those loose pucks is a big asset. So you're not uh, sitting there being like, well, let's just get him in on ozone draws and for power plays. He's not that type of guy. And no. uh, Sam Constantino for Sportsnet, he's a, a guy that's all over the draft, really knows his prospects. He says he's a super competitive player who challenges the opposition from the offensive zone right back to his own net. So that's what you like to hear. Like it's not 
uh, controller disconnects when the other team goes back the other way and he's just gliding, waiting for the puck to turn around. He's getting in the mix defensively as well. So I definitely have a lot of interest in this player. Craig Button has him ranked 39th on his list. Bob McKenzie has him 58th on his list, but he's not ranked on any of our other scouting entities. Scott Wheeler did have him as an honorable mention. If you want to know how our ranking system works, you can go check out our video on our playlist on YouTube. But Pills, you know what really gets me kind of curious about what his development could take at the next level is this is a guy who in his last year of minor hockey had 13 points in 31 games, only six goals. So to me, it's kind of strange for a guy to step up to the next level and have the offense improve at a point at a point per game type thing where it's just kind of like, huh, what what was going on there? Was he playing more defensively sound against his own teammates, focusing more, I should say, on the defensive side of the puck and then put in better situations? I'm curious to see what his draft plus one season is going to be. As we'll pull up here his uh, his elite prospects in just a moment, but what's the one area that you think he needs to work on most to get to the next level? I don't, I don't think he's a guy that really has one kind of glaring issue here. I think it's it's just going to be at, at a guy as, at his size, if you're going to be an offensive defenseman, you need to continue to be able to focus on defense. And it seems like he, he is focused on defense. So I don't really have uh, kind of any red flags about uh, Bushinger here. Got to get bigger and stronger is basically what you're I saying, guess. hey? Yeah, that's that's kind of it. And uh, I... I'm interested in him for the Sens though, Ross, because we just did our depth chart and all of the kind of top left shot guys, they've already graduated to the NHL. So I think if you're looking at kind of reloading the prospect pipeline, uh, Michael Bushinger would be a perfect guy that, like you mentioned, he's probably a couple years away. I think the unfortunate thing is all of these OHL prospects, when you lose a year of uh, development, it's going to push you back. I think all of them are going to be a year away other than the top guys, first rounders. So that's going to be a common theme probably. Yeah. He had 44 points in 63 games. As we mentioned, he is a April 25th, 2004 birthday from Markham, Ontario. So that's Michael Bushinger. How many send stars are you giving him? You said you like the fit, but what out of five stars? I give him three and a half uh, out of five. I think he's someone that if he's still around for the sends later, second round pick, I would take a look at him if, if they haven't already got a left shot defenseman with that first second rounder. Yeah, I'm at, I'm right with you. Three stars for me where it's like, okay, I could get on board. And I like I said, I think that he's got a very intriguing draft plus one season coming up, as with a lot of these OHL guys. But to me, we'll get to a few other defensemen who I think could really move the needle a bit more. All right, Pilsy, coming in at number 51. On our draft rankings with an average of 48.33 from the United States Development Team Program, it's Devin Kaplan. Devin Kaplan, Ross, he reminds me so much of Tyler Boucher. Like, very similar players because the first thing most scouts say about him is he's a physical player. He uses his size to his advantage. He's at six foot three, 198 pounds. He's a right shot, plays the right wing, plays for the U.S. national team. and From uh, with, New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, true. Also another one there. Uh, with the U18 team, he had in 53 games, 13 goals, 25 assists, good for 38 points. 
Then at the USHL level, in 22 games, he had 18 points. So a fairly consistent guy uh, as far as points go, but he doesn't just look at the points. Uh, like I mentioned, he's a physical guy. He's an aggressive four checker. And I kind of, um, he's got like a honey badger type attitude. You know what I mean? Where they just go into the battles and just head down and full force. That's what he does with the loose puck battles along the boards or especially in the corners. Like I, I found with the highlights I watched of him, Ross, where he excelled is when opponents had nowhere to go. And it's like, all right, the boards are up against you and I'm on your other side. It's me versus you, mano a mano, and I am going to dominate here. And that's what Kaplan does really well. Yeah, he's great on those board battles. The yeah. one thing he needs to improve on, and one thing that I think Tyler Boucher does very well, is plays with pace and speed. I think that for him, something he's going to have to work on is a bit more of an explosive first step. But just like Tyler Boucher, next year you'll find him at Boston University. So, he, And we've got another BU guy coming up on this show, but I think that the Sens are certainly going to be interested in this player. Don't you? Absolutely, Ross. Yeah, this guy just screams send scouting pick. And uh, I mean, I'm not going to knock them for it. Like he's a, he's a good player. He plays a physical type game. And I think eventually the offense is is going to come a little bit uh, easier to him. Like Will Scouch, who uh, I, I use uh, for a bunch of prospects when he does his profiles on them. He said that he really thinks that Kaplan is going to hit his stride in college at BU and become more of a scoring threat. And he really says there's a huge ceiling for this guy. And I, I kind of believe it. Like anytime you get a physical guy that has a decent shot, but ha just hasn't quite figured out how to get in the right areas to score those goals. Once he does with proper development, proper coaching, all that kind of stuff, he could be a legit threat. He's a right shot, right winger who's ranked 41st on Chris Peters list, 48th on Bob McKenzie's and 56th on elite prospects. So, a little bit of a range there, but we've also got some guys who didn't rank him at all, and Scott Wheeler having him as an honorable mention on his list. But certainly the potential's there, and I love Will Scouch being on board with him because yeah. we know he's more analytics-driven, and we've got a situation where you know sometimes these big physical players don't look that great in the analytics community. So I'm glad that that checks out. And for me, he's a guy who I probably wouldn't be too thrilled if they take him with 39. But if they wanted to trade up with that 64th overall pick, I'm already giving the Lightning the cup. Anything better than 64, <laughs> yeah, honestly. I'll, I'll be happy with for, for an Ottawa perspective. But I do think that that pace needs to improve. And we've seen DJ Smith's teams, man. He wants them to play fast, play hard, play physical. Those last two he's got in spades here, Kaplan. But we know that you got to be fast to play in this Ottawa Senators team. We saw what happened with Goddett, right? He comes in and it's like, oh, wait, you're not fast? You're going to sit on the bench. We'll, we'll use you as our shootout guy. But yeah. uh, to me, I think Kaplan certainly has some potential to be an Ottawa Senators guy. We talked yesterday how they just love drafting out of the U.S. National Team Development Program. I wonder if the jerseys have anything to do with that. Hey, Pilsy, those are sharp. The old throwbacks like there, those. if you're watching on the Elite Prospects page. In his last 10 games, plus 11, nine points. Only two goals, though. So it's not like he's a pure goal scorer or anything like that. He's a guy who gets in the Mix can facilitate to his teammates as well. Born January 10th, 2000, Bridgewater, New Jersey. You can see the numbers here growing up. Always the best player on his team. 37 points in 20 games. You know, point per game at the U.S. program in uh, against his own peers at the under-17 team in his first game or his first year at the program. And then this year, taking off even better 
as well. So I'm, I'm going to be really intrigued as he's going to Boston University in the fall. What do you think for the Sens? I know we said it's going to be a fit, but how much of a fit? How many stars for you for Devin Kaplan? I'm giving him four stars, Ross. I think um, this is this is a prototypical Sens draft selection here. And if they don't select him, Ross, I think it'll be because a team uh, snags him just before. <laughs> you, you know, one of those things. Although the Sens, they've made no secret about if they think a team's going to grab their guy, they have no hesitation in trading up and getting him or yep. reaching to, to grab him as well. I mean, I used air quotes there uh, for the listeners that weren't watching. So I think, yeah, I, I would not be shocked at all. I, It's really going to be interesting to see what happens with that seventh overall pick. Like if they do end up keeping it, where they go there will change the next pick in my mind. So if right. they end up taking a winger at seventh overall, then they're probably not going to go for another winger uh, in the second round. And if they end up moving Zaitsev, I've kind of got that uh, Tampa second round pick as the Zaitsev sweetener. So I, I don't <laughs> anticipate that's going to be there for them. So I don't know where the Sens would select Kaplan, but I would not be surprised to hear them call out his name on draft day. All right, Pilsy, before we get back to the countdown, do you want to tell us a quick word from our friends over at Bet Online? Absolutely, Ross. And if you were watching the World Championship game between Canada and Sweden, I hope you got a chance to live bet them at betonline.ag because uh, the odds would have been crazy. And you could have done your research at betonline.net where the game starts because betonline.net has all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. Where's Barry Trotz going? We're hearing info about where he's interviewing very interesting thing there. If you think you know, why not put a couple shekels on it? BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. It remains the best spot for sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just hockey, guys. Check it out for basketball, NBA playoffs, or getting real close to the finals. Um, World Championship hockey, AHL hockey, boxing, UFC, they've got it all. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. And guys, that's where I go when I'm doing my research for Pillsy's Playoff Parlay of the Day, which will be coming back at the end of the show. So check it out today, guys. It's betonline.net, where the game starts. You are listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast with Ross Levitan and Brandon Piller, free and available wherever you download your podcast and on YouTube, where the best way you can help us grow is to like and subscribe the videos. We are pumping out so much friggin' content. I don't even know what to do with myself. What are we at? 16 videos since Monday, and we've got five more today. The reason being, we are posting each one of these draft rankings individually so that in the lead up to the draft, you are all set with what you need to know on each of these players. We've got two more great profiles coming up. But first, Pilsy, you mentioned the Sweden-Canada game. We have to touch on that. Drake Batherson scores the game winner in overtime. It was 3 nothing. Who knew that a team with a Maple Leaf would blow a lead as William Nylander was a goal scorer for the Sweden there. Do you see, by the way, and I know I'm all over the place right now, but there was a clip or two or three or four from the Sweden-Latvia game where Nylander was just running around hitting absolutely everything. Toronto Radio had a full-on meltdown. Jeff O'Neill said, was that number 88 Eric Lindros out there the way he's playing? Where was that in Toronto? I absolutely love it. 
people forget he had seven points in seven games against Tampa. Yeah, I mean, that's tough if you're a Leafs fan to see that kind of uh, intensity being brought after the playoffs are over. But but he did uh, have a decent showing in that series. I wouldn't say no for him being Timmy's line mate, just saying. That would be very, very interesting. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, But uh, Ross, not only did Drake Batherson have the game-winning goal, he had an assist on the goal that tied it up to Matthew Barzell. Him and Barzell, man. Clutch, Gene. The, the connection between those two, like that is just absolutely insane. It would be obviously impossible, but if you could connect those two together on the Sens, I wouldn't mind that either. Um, but Drake Batson, this is what he does. Like now, now that he's feeling it and he's on a, a Team Canada, we know he can have success on an international stage. We saw that in the World Juniors uh, in years past. So shout out Drake Batson and Team Canada. Uh, Thomas Shabbat also getting on the score sheet. He had an assist on Pierre-Luc Dubois' goal to make it a 3-2 game. Hell yeah. Love to see that for some uh, some Ottawa Senators prospects. Prospects. Players. Internationally. <laughs> We're talking so much prospects. You know that's all yeah, that's on my brain, on the brain. right now. Um, I forget who. Uh, Martian was talking about uh, someone from the World Championships. and I posted the gif of the guy sleeping. And then he just wakes up and starts clapping when the Sens do something. I don't know. I, I just haven't been able to get into it in terms of the timing, like the games they're in the morning over there. Yeah. Anyways, it's a cool tournament. I love the atmosphere and credit to all the players for having fun and going over there. But it's it's draft season, Pilsy. So let's get back to that. And also when Timmy got hurt, like that kind of took away some of my interest as well. But that to say, I'm extremely interested in this next player. He could be the most divisive player in this whole draft because, and Scott Wheeler had a phenomenal article coming in at number 50 on our locked on senators draft rankings. We are going back to the U S national team development program with an average rank of 47.6 lane Hudson lane Hudson, all five foot eight of them Pilsy. I was going to say, Ross, I don't think I've ever seen you this excited about a hockey player that has the dimensions of five foot eight, 148 pounds. I mean, this, hey. The NHL team that drafts them might have to bring up a youth jersey to put on them. <laughs> yeah. No I say kidding. that with all due respect because I'm about to shock people with how many stars I have for them. Oh boy, look out for that. But the thing is, Ross, he's living in an age where some of the best defensemen in the game are under six feet. You look at uh, the best comparable is probably Jared Spurgeon at five foot nine. Uh, some of the other guys are a little closer, but Kale McCarr. Spur- Spurgeon's the lightest defenseman in the league at 165 right now. So put that in perspective. He's got 15 pounds to go. Yeah. that and To be the lightest. That's a big deal when you're looking at guys that small, like 15 pound goes a long way. Uh, Quinn Hughes, there's a lot of guys that can that have proven if you draft me high in the draft and aren't worried about my size, I will reward you for that. And I think there's there's two things that can happen here, Ross. Either teams notice the potential and snag him early, or teams are scared of the size, and he falls. So it's going to be very interesting. Uh, we're, we're, we're doing all this lead-up. Let's get into what kind of player he is and why we're so excited about him. First, so, let me discuss his rankings real quick, because okay. this just shows it all. Yeah. Scott Wheeler has him 30th, being a first-round pick, first-round talent, 30th. Chris Peters has him 31st, so Wheeler isn't alone. Elite Prospects has him at 49. Craig Button at 56, and Bob McKenzie at 72. So the range goes from 30 to 72 with this player who averages 47.6 Pilsy. 
Do we know any other left shot defenseman who wore number 48 at the U.S. program? JBD? Hmm. Jake Sanderson. Oh, Sanderson. Okay. Hmm. Sorry, I did not know Sanderson's number from that long ago. Come on, man. Yeah, he's committed. He's committed to Boston University, but not this upcoming season. His scholarship begins in 2023-24. This is the definition of a high-risk, high-reward pick, Pilsy. Absolutely, yeah. I would definitely agree with that. And if you're looking at the high-reward side of things, look no further than his stats. 60 games played, 10 goals, 53 assists, good for 63 points in 60 in 60 games. Like, it, it's... This kid is just, he buzzes around like a little water bug out there. Like, kind of reminds me of of Tyler Ennis. Like, that style of just shifty, dodging checks, being evasive. Like, spin move. Yeah, spin moves. And his ability to control the puck with ease in the offensive zone, and he doesn't give up on it, is crazy. Like, I I saw one highlight, Ross, where... You see the 45-second one? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. He controls the puck in the O-zone for a full (laughs) shift. Dipsy doodling around guys. Like there's one point where he tries to go inside out on a guy and obviously 5'8", 145 pounds. The, the opponent just plays the body. Smart move. Gets him off the puck. He spins around him and gets the puck again before yeah. anyone else touches it. Like he's like, yeah, you might outmuscle me, but you're not going to outthink me. No. He's got a lot going on up inside uh, his head. The hockey IQ is great. And at the end of that shift, he got into open space, send the puck on net and created a good chance. Like, his coaching staff, they have so oh, many. I got good, some quotes right here. Yeah, they got a lot of good things to say about him. Uh, head coach Adam Nightingale. I'll do one of the quotes. I'm sure you yep. got a bunch more. But he applauded his work ethic on defense. So for a small guy, for his head coach, first thing he says is, man, this guy's so good on defense. And his stick skills are great. He's able to steal the puck off guys. Like I said, He's not going to out-muscle anyone. Like, he's in a battle in the corner. He's not going to beat you by grinding it out and punishing you. He's going to wait for you to have kind of a loose handle on it. And then stick lift, boom, steal, up up the other way. Like, that's where he's so effective is with his stick work and being able to time it perfectly to get a strip on guys. The assistant coach for the U.S. program with this quote. These are both from Scott Wheeler's article. Fantastic. Calling him a unicorn. Yeah. He's a super talented kid and just sees the game differently. He's super valuable for us. He plays a lot of minutes, and I think he's really undervalued defensively. He actually defends really well for a little guy, and he's got to do – that's such a backhanded compliment. (laughs) He, um, He does it differently because he's smaller, but he works at it, and he takes pride in it. Everyone sees the flash, the deception, the big shot, the puck distributing skills, but they don't always see him at the other end, and he plays super hard on the defensive end. I love that, knowing that he's been a smaller player his whole life, but he's been able to manage through that, and he compared himself to Patrick Kane. How many defensemen are comparing themselves to Patrick Kane? Pilsy, it took me three highlights to be like, yeah, I see it. Like, literally... He never takes the same route into the offensive zone. He's always shifting around. One really impressive move, and it just shows the explosiveness. Usually you'll see like the toe drag, right? The guy goes from his forehand, and as the momentum carries him there, you take that route. How many times does he take it to his backhand? The D kind of bites as though typically they do. And then all of a sudden, he goes back to his forehand and cuts around him. Like the deception that he throws into his routes are unmatched and if he i tweeted out from my account if this guy's 6'3 200 pounds with every other skill he has 
He's probably a top 10 pick in this draft. Yeah, de- definitely. Uh, Maybe but, top five. Like, he's that talented. Mind you, if he's 6'3", 200 pounds, he's probably not as shifty. He, well, he I've probably... just said, if he has every other ability that he has now. I get that it kind of goes away with that height. But, yeah. dude, I'm expecting him to pull a Mighty Ducks move and skate between a defender's legs at one point and just <laughs> keep going. Yeah, him and uh, Maverick uh, Lamaru, he just goes whoop right if through his If they had legs. a Freaky Friday situation where they just switch heights, <laughs> this kid's first overall. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, my God. And it's so funny that he's uh, referred to as a unicorn because, like, that term is typically used in basketball for, like, obviously... A big man who can shoot. Exactly. It's not the same now, but when Kristaps Porzingis broke into the league, everyone's like, oh, this guy's a unicorn. Like, he's he's able to do things that a small guy can do at his size. So flip that around for... uh, um, Lane Hudson. Lane Hudson. and, And you've got a unicorn in hockey standards. So... I think it's going to be so interesting to see what happens with this guy on draft day. Um, Lane Hudson, or should we call him Valentino? The kid's born on February 14th, ooh. Valentine's Day, 2004. As we mentioned, he stands 5'8". How about this, Bills? He 13 points in his last 10 games. How are you? Plus Jeez. 18 oh, man. in those games. He is just ridiculous with the puck. He's got two brothers that play as well, but this is what I really want to show you guys. Look at this, man. And... Again, we don't oh, want to spend too much time. Plus minus that one year. Oh my plus, god. Plus 59 <laughs> in 60 games. That's this season right now. And then he goes to the world uh, under 18s, 8 points in 6 games, plus 12 in 6 games, Billsy. This guy and that just shows you he's not all he's not an offenseman where he can't work yeah, in exactly. the D zone. Pilsy, like when he's playing under 15, this guy 38 points in 19 games, just rovering around out there on the back end. Everywhere he goes, he's at or near a point per game. This kid is is a unicorn. You can't put it any better than that. Yeah, and the fact that he takes so much pride defensively, like I think that's going to take him a long way because like I, I don't want to do the Eric Bransom comparison, but it is similar, right? Even though Branny has a couple inches on him and uh, a little bit more weight, obviously he's four years older, so that makes sense. But the thing with Branny is when we saw him with the puck in Belleville, he was an absolute magician. But then turn it around and defensively, he he just wasn't quite there yet. And now DJ Smith is really grinding on him to play better defensively, to box out better in front of the net and all that kind of stuff. And then when he's so focused defensively, now all the offense is dried up, right? Yeah. Like you're not able to marry both the offensive and defensive side of it. Where with Lane Hudson, you are able to do that. And I'm sure he's going to grow a little bit more. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he gets to Eric Brandstrom's uh, dimensions, a couple extra inches, a couple extra LBs as he grows up. So I think it's going to be great to see him. If we're looking at send stars, Ross, I give him three stars here because I just think the Senators, they went all in on a small defenseman in Eric Branstrom, and it it burned them a little bit. And I think they're going to be um, once bitten, twice shy. Kind of, uh, did I get that one right? I yep. feel like I might have screwed yep. that one up. Okay, no, good. Once bitten, twice shy. Good. Uh, I think that's going to be the effect they're going to have, and I don't think they touch him in this draft. I could see that, but I also don't think Eric Branstrom is going to be a part of the Senators by the time this guy makes the NHL. So I'm giving him four and a half stars because the dynamic ability is so ridiculous. And the Senators, as you mentioned, need to replenish the back end. I don't even know if we mentioned he's a left shot guy, but he also brings so many other elements to his game that 
I just I'd be so intrigued with how he would fit in going forward. Like imagine him with a right, like put Clevin on the right side and just be like, "Yo, go to work. I got the D zone. Just go do your thing." So I've got him at four and a half stars. All right, Pilsy, coming in at forty nine on today's Locked On Senators ranking with an average of forty seven point two five from the WHL Seattle Thunderbirds, Jordan Gustafson. And Jordan Gustafson is still playing as we speak, Ross. The Thunderbirds are tied 2-2 in their series with Kamloops in the uh, conference finals. So he's getting a lot of good experience here. Excuse me. And in those playoffs, 16 games played, 4 goals, 10 assists, good for 14 points. Gustafson, he's a left shot center at 5'11", 179 pounds. And in the regular season, he had 58 games played, 23 goals, 29 assists, for 52 points. Oh, he's just a stud, man. And what I like about him, too, is he's one of those, like, bigger players, but he also has a soft touch. So, you know what? I saw, and he's not as big, but I saw a little bit of Logan Brown when I was watching his highlights. Hmm. Like, able to facilitate the puck, able to skate it through the neutral zone. I liked what I saw. What do you think his biggest strength is? I think the biggest strength is his ability to um, combine his skating with a good shot. Like, when you're able to bring the puck up the ice and... If there's no other play, just get a great shot on. You can add a lot of value. You guys know I always talk about those guys that can just bring the puck into the zone and rip it past a goalie for an easy goal. I love that. And I think Jordan Gustafson, he's someone that can do that. And he's got a quick release and he's able to get pucks through traffic. So uh, I was reading on HockeyWriters.com. They were saying that he typically is used as a bumper guy on the power play because he's able to get a shot through a defenseman's sticker skates in tight. And if he doesn't have the shot, he's able to facilitate it over to another player that may have a better opportunity than him. And also, he's not just used on the power play. He kills penalties as well. So he's giving himself more giving himself more opportunities to get played in any situation. Sorry, Alfie wanted to get in the mix there. Jordan Gustafson is a Canadian kid. You might think Swedish with the name, but he's a Canadian kid from Alberta, born January 20th. He's a left shot and... Again, the range for him is pretty large. We've got 31st on Craig Button's list, 39th for Scott Wheeler, 52nd for Elite Prospects, and 67th on Bob McKenzie's list for an average of 47.6. This season with Seattle, 58 games, 23 goals, 29 assists, good for 52 points. And he was a guy who... Got a cup of coffee last year, played the 23 games, right? That's about all they could play in the WHL. But I love the growth in his game offensively from a guy who only had four goals in 23 games to 23 in 58. So I like that trajectory. And I also like that he's a guy to me who probably projects to play center at the next level. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that just because his ability to have a a good shot and be able to pass it off and good skating, I I think he can remain at the center uh, position here. He's a physical player too, and he's aggressive on the forecheck, so you want your centerman to be focused on that. And what I like about Gustafson too is he often chooses to make the smart, safe play rather than take a chance and make a risky play that's going to get broken up or turned over. So I think that's another quality that can make him a better centerman than a winger. 
Yeah, you know what, though? The more I look at it, I didn't like my comparison there. That's why we don't do player comparables. Take off that Logan Brown. Pretend I didn't even say it. But what I do like about him, though, is also that skating ability that you mentioned, too. So he can shoot it. Now, what I'm curious about is he had a lot of production on the power play. And we're going to get to another Seattle Thunderbird draft eligible. And this was a sick team. They were one of the yeah. top teams in the WHL this season on the on the Western side is Kevin Korchinski is just a facilitator on the back end on the power play. How many of those goals were just Korchinski to Gustafson shot and it's in the back of the net? Which, I mean, he's got to do the job and put it in the back of the net, right? We're not taking anything away from Josh Norris for standing his spot mm-hmm. yep. and scoring goals. So uh, I'm excited to see his draft plus one year as well. He's a guy where I can see the skill, but I'm kind of understanding the, the reflection of elite prospects having him down in the 50s and button up in the 30s, I can see where there'd be some divisiveness about what this guy's true upside is at the next level. Yeah, th- this is a classic safe pick, right? Like high floor, low ceiling. I think yeah. what, what you see is probably what you're going to get with him, which is fine because he's yeah. at a great level, but I don't think he's going to burst through or have a breakout season or anything like that. Yeah, they're still using a pretty old photo, hey, on his uh, on his elite prospects. Uh, it looks like that's probably his first training camp with Seattle. The shoulder pads are looking pretty big on him up yeah. there. Uh, as we mentioned, January birthday from Alberta and pulling up his points here or his uh, stats. And again, credit to elite prospects for this and always a point producer at a younger age. And you, you like to see that just kind of as they grow older, what kind of pedigree they had coming up and uh, again, you can't knock the numbers here, eh, Pills? Yeah, he, he produces. And uh, I, I really feel like he's the kind of guy that he's a high character guy that coaches and teammates are, are going to love. Like, I, yeah. I think he's just going to be able to fit in wherever he goes. I gave Jordan Gustafson three stars, though, just because I think the the Sens, they've, they've got they've got guys like that. Like, I would I would say he's kind of comparable to Zach Ostapchuk, right? Like, sure. in plays the center. Um, has good skating, good shot. So I think they would probably try to find someone with some different attributes, but I wouldn't have a problem if they end up selecting him. Yeah, you can probably tell from from my analysis on this. So I'm kind of like on the fence either way. You can convince me. So I'll go with three as well. If they take him, cool, I'll get on board. And if not, I think that he's the kind of guy, when I see his name go off the board, I'm not going to be... You're not going to be upset. Table. Yeah, fair. Exactly, exactly. To me, I think you can tell from the passion in my my Lane Hudson discussion. And <laughs> usually I'm I'm a like K-train, like I want the big defense and big burly guys, but this guy just has that it factor, I think. It, he's produced everywhere he's gone, and there's been players bigger than him in every league that he's played in. So, wait, we, we're doing four more tomorrow, and then Pilsy, the countdown turns into three per show for the rest until we get up to 32. And then we're going to do two per day, really do deep dives into that. We do want to finish today's show, though, with Pilsy's parlay of the day. Nice. I won't take up too much time here. So We've got a big sense Central Citizen we're about to interview. We do. Yeah, very excited about that. So looking at the Rangers-Hurricanes game, the Hurricanes are at home. They're 6-0 and at home. I'm not going to go against that. So Hurricanes money line at minus 156 at betonline.ag. Then... I wanted to pick Calgary Ross, but that is not the Jacob Markstrom we knew from the regular season. Like, I don't know what's going on with him, so I don't have a lot of faith there. I'm picking the Oilers to finish this off. Whoa. Oilers money line, yeah, at plus 135. And uh, I'm putting $9.59 in, Ross. That, <laughs> why, does, why does that make me think that's all that's in your account? That is all that is left in my account after a couple of bad, uh, I won't say bad, but after a couple of consecutive losses. So, 
We need this, baby. We got to stay alive, gamble responsibly. But that's Pillsy's parlay of the day. Carolina Hurricanes money line, Edmonton Oilers money line. Put the obvious amount of $9.59 in, and you're going to win $27.39. Let's go. All right. We'll be back tomorrow with more. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Again, please like the show and subscribe on YouTube. You can follow us on social media, LockedOn.Senators on Instagram, and Send Central on Twitter. For today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitt, and this has been the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day.